Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special topical study on the Holy Spirit, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. There's this classic story told by Dr. Lewis T. Talbot, Back in the late 40s, when he was preaching in a church in Los Angeles, which at the time was a mega church in L.A., he gave a message concerning wives submitting to their own husbands. Well, Dr. Talbot was a fiery preacher, short little guy, but he was a spark plug. He could preach powerfully and passionately. He would preach this sermon and pound on the pulpit and veins bulging, eyes popping out and preaching the importance of wives submitting to their husbands. And when he was done, he went down the center aisle and stood at the door, which was his custom of greeting people. And one of the first people to come out that greeted him was a very large lady with a flower dress and a hat with a flower blooming from it, a huge purse in her hand. And she got right in Dr. Talbot's face and she said, Dr. Talbot, that message today was disgusting. Wives submitting to their husbands and everything. She said, to tell you the truth, Dr. Talbot, if I were, if you were my husband, I would put poison in your tea tomorrow. Well, Dr. Talbot looked her up and down and said, Madam, if you were my wife, I would drink it. <laughs> Let the Holy Spirit do the convicting. Now, notice in verse 9 in your text, I want you to notice, notice the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. Why? Look at verse 9. Because they do not believe in me. Now, I want you to notice something. Notice this word sin is singular. It doesn't say the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sins with an S. It says the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin, singular, because they do not believe in me. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world of sin, of the sin of unbelief in Jesus Christ. It is for this sin and this sin alone of not believing in Jesus that a person will be judged and not make it into heaven. Notice it doesn't say sins. See, we think the Holy Spirit is going to come and convict people of drinking, you know, smoke, uh, smoke and chew and go with girls who do. And, and you know, I'm, you know, I'm going to you know, convict the world of homosexuality, convict the world of alcoholism and drunkenness and adultery. The Holy Spirit is not coming to the world to convict people of sins. The Holy Spirit is coming to the world to convict people of one singular sin, and that is the rejection of Jesus Christ. It was John who said it like this in chapter 3, verse 16 through 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. 
For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believes on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Why? Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You see, this is the only sin that mankind will be judged for. That's rejecting Jesus Christ. And by the way, this is the unpardonable sin. The unpardonable sin is not drinking and not doing all the things that we kind of categorize in the top 10 of what we think are the worst sins. The unpardonable sin is rejecting Jesus Christ. The Bible calls it the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. The word blasphemy means to shake your fist at. It means to look and say, I don't want you, God. I don't need you. Yeah, I know you died. I know you ascended. I know you sent the Holy Spirit, but I don't need it. I'll do things my way. That's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. That is the unforgivable, unpardonable sin. Because when you take your last, listen, when you take your last breath here on earth and you take your next breath in the presence of God, God is not going to look at you and say, you know, I know you rejected my son and I know you rejected my work and I know you didn't care about the Holy Spirit in your life and all that. You know, come on into heaven. God's not going to do that. God's not going to say, you know, you're, you're special. I mean, of all the billions upon billions upon billions and billions of people who lived on the earth, you are special. Come on in. God's not going to do that. It is unforgivable. It is unpardonable. It is the ultimate blasphemy to reject Jesus Christ. And so the Holy Spirit has come into the world to convict the world of sin because they do not believe in me, Jesus said. Well, then notice thirdly, well, not only is the world wrong about sin, but the world is wrong about righteousness. Notice in verse 10. Notice the conviction, I find this fascinating, I think you will too, the conviction is not of unrighteousness, the conviction is righteousness. Why? Because Jesus says, because I go to the Father and you see me no more. Now, three times in the life of Jesus, God the Father put his stamp of approval on Jesus. The first time, was at his baptism. When Jesus came up out of the water, you know the story, and the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. And then we heard a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son, listen to him. God put his stamp of approval on Jesus. And then the second time was on the Mount of Transfiguration, when Jesus was transformed and his glory shone through the veil of his flesh. And God said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And then thirdly, stamp of approval. We have a silent stamp of approval, if you will, because Jesus ascended. Notice of righteousness because I go to the Father and you see me no more. The ascension of Jesus Christ itself was God's way of saying to Jesus from the time you were born, everything you did and everything you said was approved. This is God's standard of righteousness. Jesus is God's standard of righteousness. It is amazing how many people feel that somehow they're going to go to heaven based on their own righteousness. 
And so they start to develop their own little sacrificial system. I'm going to prove to God that I am righteous and I go to heaven and they start to do things to prove to God. I mean, I'm a good person. The Jerry Lewis telethon comes on TV and I send a little bit of money to Jerry's kids. I'm a good person. I help the neighbors. You know, the, the trash all in my yard, I pick it up. I take it back over to their house and throw it on their front door. I'm a good person. God ought to receive me. After all, I'm a trophy in God's curios, we think. No, Jesus is God's standard of righteousness. Jesus was the most righteous man to have ever lived and was the only one good enough to get into heaven. Jesus is the standard of righteousness, and we have no righteousness to offer to God. It was Paul who said to the church at Philippi, chapter 3, verse 8 through 9. Paul said, and I love this. This is one of my favorite passages in all of the Bible. Paul said, yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I do count all these things as dung, rubbish, that I might gain Christ. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. You see, the righteousness that God requires is a righteousness that you must receive by faith and trusting in Jesus Christ. Well, notice not only the Holy Spirit convicts the world of righteousness, but also of judgment. In verse 11, because the ruler of this world is judged. Not only is the world wrong about sin and wrong about righteousness, but also wrong about judgment. The ruler of this world, a reference to the devil, to Satan, who was cunning and wise in the beginning. And he was beautiful above all the other angels, you know. And yet sin was found in him, and he later deceived Adam and Eve, and he took over the earth. And now the Bible says Satan has authority over the earth. But the Bible teaches when Jesus went to Calvary's cross, someone once said it like this. When Jesus went to Calvary's cross, he declawed and defanged, and someday he will dethrone Satan when he went to Calvary's cross. Colossians chapter 2, verse 14 through 15 said, Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities, that's Satan, and rankings of demons and powers, and he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. You see, on the cross, the power of Satan was taken away. And Revelation chapter 20 tells us the devil who deceived the world was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone with the beast and the false prophet, and they will be tormented there day and night forever. Satan will be defeated. Well, number five, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to guide us into all truth. In verse 13, did you see that? The word guide means to lead the way. Someone once wrote that if the Holy Spirit is a part of your life, you're going to find him taking you by the hand and leading you through all the mazes and obstacle courses right into the truth. 
A.W. Tozer wrote, when the spirit illuminates the heart, then a part of the man sees which he never saw before. A part of him knows which never knew before. And that with a kind of knowing which the most acute thinker cannot initiate. He knows how now in a deep and authoritative way what he knows needs no reason proof. His experience of knowing is above reason, immediate, perfectly convincing, and inwardly satisfying. You see, the Holy Spirit is training and teaching in the truth the word of God. And when you let the Holy Spirit work in your life, he's going to do a work of truth in you. We'll notice in the sixth point, in the middle of verse 13, the Holy Spirit will not speak of his own authority. You see, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, he won't come up with his own message. The Holy Spirit won't say one day, you know, I think I'll blow the father off, blow the son off, and just do my own thing, preach my own message. The Holy Spirit will never do that. The Holy Spirit is delivering the same message that comes from the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit will never misunderstand or misrepresent what God is saying. He will tell you the truth. He will tell you the things you need to know and grow. Our seventh point, at the end of verse 13, the Holy Spirit will show us things to come. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to show us the future. We just finished our study in the book of Revelation. You know that if you were here and we have been hearing from the Holy Spirit as he had been talking to us about the future. The Bible is filled with insight from the Holy Spirit into the prophetic events of the future. The ministry of the Holy Spirit includes disclosing of things to come and gives us clues to a fantastic future. And our last point this morning, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus. Now listen, listen, there are people who would seek or who feel, believe that they are doing Jesus a favor because they make him prominent. You know, they'll say, hey, I got no problems with Jesus. I mean, Jesus is all right with me. Jesus is just all right. Oh, yeah. I got no problems with Jesus. I mean, Jesus is cool. He helped people. He healed people. He fed people. Jesus is a cool guy. I got no problems with Jesus, and they make him prominent. And they think that's doing him a favor. Listen, that's not doing him a favor. Jesus doesn't want to be prominent. He wants to be preeminent. Jesus wants to be first. And it is the Holy Spirit's job. It's the ministry of the Holy Spirit in my life and in your life to give Jesus his rightful place. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to reveal Jesus to us. Not to bring glory to himself, but to reveal Jesus to us. Now, there's a lot of talk in the church today about being spirit filled. The spirit-filled church, the spirit-filled believer. Matter of fact, recently, I got a phone call at the church office, and you know, and, and I don't usually answer the phone. If you've ever called here, you know I generally. Matter of fact, when I answer the phone now, they go, oh, "Rodney, what what are you doing answering the phone?" I, I work here. Yeah, but you never answer the phone. 
So this one time the phone rang and I decided to answer the phone. So it rang. Hello, Calvary Chapel. Can I help you? Are you a spirit field church? I said, well, yes. They said, uh, do you guys have the gifts of the spirit operating in the church? I said, all the time. Is the Holy Spirit moving in your church? I said, absolutely. Now, when people call and they talk about the church or individual being spirit filled, I think what they're asking is in the services, do you see manifestations of the Holy Spirit? Because they they want to know. They equate that with being filled with the spirit, that there's commotion and emotion. Y'all know I came from a Pentecostal Church of God in Christ holiness church. Now, from my background, you know, if you go to church and people are just sitting down listening like this, man, you, oh, no, the spirit of God is not there. Man, that place is Ichabod, man. The spirit, the glory of the Lord is departed. Look at those people. They're not even, they're not, you know, see, the church I come from was more like on the Blues Brothers. You remember when they were like doing back off flips across the front and they're swinging from the ceiling, jumping over there, and people were like, yeah, da, 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 da. Aretha Franklin was in the back, ah, you know, that's, that's the church I come from. I remember the first time I walked into Calvary Chapel. I'll never forget this. Elvira and I were all dressed up. You know, I had my suit on. Elvira had, you know, dress, hat, gloves, you know. She was sharp, you know, just beautiful. So we walk in the Calvary Chapel. We sit in the back, you know, and, you know, just, just checking it out. You know, we remember we just came from an atmosphere that was very, very excited, and the whole thing was really going all the time. So we walk in the Calvary Chapel, and the pastors and the worship team is doing this song, and they're singing about joy. And, and it's an upbeat song, and they're really singing about joy. And I'm looking around. I'm looking at fire. I'm like, what is wrong with these people? Don't they know they're singing a song about joy? And the people are like, joy, 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 joy. I'm like, well, what's wrong with that? Writing your note, what is wrong with this, baby? <laughs> so I look at her, she looks at me and goes, don't know. <laughs> I said, well, something needs to get, something needs to happen in this place. So I stood up, right? They're doing this upbeat song, you know, and I think I stood up in the middle of like 300 people. I'm the only one standing and I'm clapping my, you know, I'm clapping her, and I'm looking around. Nobody's standing up. And then Elvira, she, you know, being the good loving wife she is, she supported me and she stood up and looked embarrassed with me. And we're both standing up there and we're all clapping our hands. And then, and then the pastor looked like, he looked out, I'll never forget it. He looked out at us and he saw we were dying. We were going down quick, man. And so the pastor, he he said to people, he said, let's all stand. And I was like, I love you, man. And so that, but I thought that, that if, if the environment wasn't really, really emotional and commotion and stuff happening and people shouting and dancing and rolling and hopping and skipping and climbing the walls and that kind of, then, then it wasn't church. 
It, it just really wasn't church. And don't misunderstand me. I believe, and I think you do too, that we do need a touch from the Spirit of God. Amen, saints? We absolutely, I need, I'm the kind of person, I need the Spirit of God to touch my life. I need to feel his presence. But listen, we can never, ever, ever, ever be looking to the Holy Spirit and his touch and his moving. And then we leave a sanctuary and we go, wow, did you feel the Spirit? Man, the Spirit of God was really in that place. Did you feel goosebumps all? Ooh, ooh, did you feel it? It was all over. And what happens is, is people leave and they're starting to glorify the spirit, which, which grieves the spirit because it is the job, the role, the function of the Holy Spirit to glorify Jesus. Remember verse 14, he will glorify me. If you were to fast forward, don't do it. John chapter 14, verse 26, he will bring to your remembrance all that I said. John 15, 26, he will bear witness of me. You see, the spirit-filled church is a Jesus-focused church. Amen? Don't go from here looking for a church. If you move from the area or whatever, don't go looking for a church where there's a lot going on. Because just because there's commotion and emotion does not mean that there's true devotion to Jesus. Be careful about that. In every church and among every believer, Jesus is the main focus. Jesus is the main attraction. Jesus is the main event. And if you go to a church and they're not exalting Jesus, how often do people put an emphasis on the Holy Spirit? If they're not exalting Jesus... That's probably not where you want to be, y'all. You see, it's about Jesus. The word of God, get this, and I'm coming to a close. The word of God from cover to cover is about Jesus. It was the Pharisees that Jesus said. He said, you search the scriptures and in them you think you have life, but they are they which testify of me. Now, when Jesus talked about the scriptures, he was talking about the Old Testament because the New Testament wasn't written yet. He told the Pharisees, the people who are supposed to know the law, he said, the word testifies of me. In Hebrews, it says he has come in the volume of the book. Every church and every born again believer, Jesus must be the main event, the main attraction and the main focus. A church must be Jesus focused. And this is what glorifies the father. And this is what the Holy Spirit has come in the world to do is to get us to remember Jesus. Man, Rodney, I'm hurting. Yeah, remember Jesus. I feel sad. Remember Jesus. I just lost my job. Remember Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then someone wrote that song. And it said, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name, Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance 
after the rain. Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim. Stand on your feet, will you? Kings and kingdoms shall all pass away, but there's something about that name. Sing Jesus. Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's something about that You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.